0: Off trail learning. This is Blake Bowles. When a lot of people first discover unschooling or self directed learning, they ask the question, "But can everyone do this?" Uh, no, no, not everyone can unschool. In the same way that not everyone should go to Montessori school, or not everyone can thrive in a military boot camp. I think a better question is, "Can more people choose unschooling? Can more people choose full time self directed learning than they do now?" And I think the answer to that is a clear. Yes, and that's one of the reasons that I started off-trail learning was to help uh, expand the envelope of self-directed learning to more and more people, especially teenagers. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about what goes into making a successful unschooler. Uh, This might push some buttons for some people because – We want to imagine, I think a lot of us do want to imagine that anyone could do this, or if you try it, you're automatically going to be successful, but that's not true in in my experience. And I'm going to be talking with my longtime friend, Liam Nilsen, who is a lifelong unschooler, a person who I met through not back to school camp, and the founder of the Endor Agile Learning Community in Asheville, North Carolina. Liam and I previously did a podcast interview about Endor. But now he's coming back and we are talking about who should unschool and who shouldn't. Because we believe that there is a set of skills, there's a mindset, there are certain habits that make some people more qualified to be an unschooler than others, and that there actually are people in the world who shouldn't unschool, or to put it a little bit more politically correctly who are going to have a really hard time and are going to struggle a lot to become an effective self-directed learner. And if you listen to this conversation and think, well, you need to be thrown into the situation of unschooling to develop the skills necessary to become a good unschooler. In other words, you, you know, if you just spend all your time in school, then why are you going to need to have these these skills and attitudes and habits? I completely Agree, it's a chicken and the egg situation. But I also think that there are some prerequisites for being an effective unschooler. And that is where Liam and I go today. I got my first sponsorship opportunity for off-trail learning recently. I got an email saying, we'd love to pay to to have a, a placement on your show. And I thought about it for a day or two and I and I turned them down because I really like this show not having – any sponsors, any ads, anything that I just don't like on other podcasts. And even though it was an organization that I really believe in that was pitching me on this, uh, I decided to say no. Uh, on that note, if you like this podcast, if you've been listening to a number of episodes and you, you look forward to the next one, I invite you to join the small band of people. There's about 10 people right now in September 2016 that are supporting this podcast through Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Dot com, uh, and they donate on a per-episode basis. And if I just got a handful more people donating $1 or $2 per episode that comes out, that would mean the world to me. So you can go to offtraillearning.com support if you are interested in joining the team. And now, without further ado, here's Liam. All right, I'm joined today by Liam Nilsson, who was a former podcast guest talking about his Endor uh, Agile Learning Center program in Asheville, North Carolina. And now he's back to talk about who should unschool and who shouldn't unschool. Welcome back, Liam.
1: Thanks for having me back on the show, Blake.
0: Okay, so here's our thought experiment. Uh, let's imagine that you are a, not you, but, you know, the hypothetical you, uh, are a frustrated teenager, let's say in freshman year of high school, and you're just not, you're not into it. You're not feeling engaged. The social scene is bad. You're not really interested in what's being presented to you. And then somehow you hear about unschooling and you're like, man, that sounds like that could be really great, but I don't know if that's the right thing for me. Who, who is unschooling for? Who should do it and who should not do it? So that is what we're going to be tearing apart here, Liam. Cool.
1: I like it. Well, I think anybody that's asking themselves that question, Right. It's for you. If you're sitting there being like, "Oh, I don't really like it here at school, and I don't feel like the things that I'm quote unquote learning are super interesting," if you're you know questioning whether or not you should be at school, then I think you should at least try unschooling if you have the ability to.
0: Ah, so, are you proposing that every single person who doubts their enjoyment or the you know, the, the value of school should drop out for some period of time.
1: If they have the ability to, then ah. yeah.
0: So, th- so there's our first criteria right there. There needs to be some sort of, of ability mm-hmm. to, to make this choice totally to school. And so let's, let's break that apart. I think that uh, family situation and parents are definitely part of that because I mean legally, if you're under age 16 and you're, you're like, I don't want to go to school anymore and your parents are like too bad, Uh, then there's, there's not much you can do in that situation. As far as I know. Right. Um, Like you, I'm not sure what, what do you go to like child protective services and make up some horror story and and try to get some sort of legal recourse against your parents? I think don't
1: encourage that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like most teenagers are not going to go down that route. And so it, it seems like who should unschool like people who have supportive or at least sympathetic parents, in the beginning that that's, that's part of the prereq, right? Totally.
1: And, you know, I think before taking it to your parents, right, it makes sense to like, learn a little bit about unschooling and maybe, you know, make a case to your parents. I've talked to, you know, many teenagers that have done that, um, that have kind of like skeptical parents, but they do the research and they share the research with their parents and kind of get them on board before going for it. Because I think, you know, most families, if they're um, most parents, will get a little bit surprised if their kid just comes up to them and it's like, "Hey, there's this thing called unschooling, where you don't go to school, where where I don't have to go to school, so I want like to start tomorrow." <laughs> you know, yes. Um,
0: so yeah, so so what I'm hearing is that unschooling is good. Uh, you know, it's probably a good choice for you if you are willing to put in the, the minimum effort to like research what it is and not just make this a knee jerk decision and, and just use it as essentially as some buzzword to escape an unpleasant situation. Right. Um, But, but actually kind of like educate yourself and and know what you're getting into and realize that that there are responsibilities that come along with these freedoms also.
1: Right. Exactly. And that right there is a kind of like self regulating membrane where somebody that is going to take the initiative, Right just to go out and research this alternative to school unschooling and then bring that to their parents. I feel like that in itself proves that you're a good candidate for it.
0: Yeah. You know? uh, okay. So we're getting into the, the realm of motivation or, or mm-hmm. so-called self motivation or intrinsic motivation now. And I feel like this is a real chicken and the egg type thing because you know, for example, some parents will be like, uh, "Unschooling works for your kids because they are self-motivated, but my kids are not self-motivated, or or at least they're not self-motivated in the right way or the healthy way. They are they are motivated to eat Cheetos and play video games all day. They are not right. self-motivated to go do the things that we imagine these incredible unschoolers to be doing. It's like I'm going to teach myself, you know, I'm going to practice Mozart for the first three hours of the day, and then right. you know, do chemistry in the afternoon. Right. So,
1: well, I think." I think a lot of that, you know, the, the motivation to do things like, you know, eat Cheetos and watch TV all day come from decompression. You know, um, I can relate to when, so I grew up unschooled. I'm a lifer as they say. So I never went to school. Um, and once I started working full time, I would come home from work and just be super exhausted. And I'd want to just like watch some really stupid, basic like cartoon or TV show or something. Um, just to decompress right so um that really goes back to the deschooling concept that i'm sure many listeners will be familiar with a lot of people that write about unschooling write about deschooling how there's this period after somebody leaves school to um to just decompress and like reacquaint themselves with their autonomy sorry mm-hmm. i feel like i got a little bit off no no off no, that's great where were no, no, you uh
0: a second ago no like? we're talking about motivation and what i like that you brought up is that you said when you started working and you had like long work days you came home you just didn't want to you probably didn't have the energy to do something that looked mm-hmm. you know so-called you know quote-unquote productive right
1: like it took and, something that took effort
0: yeah it's, yeah that's why you'd want to just watch TV or, or play a video game. And that's very reasonable. And I imagine that that is the, the situation that a lot of school kids find themselves in, which mm-hmm. is it's kind of like they're going to a crappy job for eight hours a day. Right. right. And when you're done at the end of that day, you're like, Oh man, all I want to do is relax. I just want to chill out. And, mm-hmm. and if somebody said, Hey, Liam, your crappy job just awarded you a three week long vacation, uh, but then you got to go back. Then you probably say, I'm going to spend all of those three weeks. Just chilling out and relaxing, right,
1: exactly. Yeah, and not yeah, not spending hours but, and hours practicing the violin and etc. Cool.
0: That's what makes it feel like a uh, chicken and the egg problem to me, because you have to go through this period of deschooling. You have to experience what right. real boredom feels like. You have to get to the end of the the Cheeto and video game rainbow right. to discover that there is no pot of gold there. Right. Um, and yeah, so. The only people who seem seemingly become self-motivated are the ones who have had a chance to be to experience boredom first
1: right well um, and so that kind of reminds me to go back to what we were saying earlier that you know you're a good candidate to be an unschooler if you're somebody that's going to be motivated to go and research unschooling to tell their parents about it but if you're not motivated to do that it doesn't mean that you're a bad candidate for unschooling right I think you know it means that maybe Are you
0: sure? You need some you, time I, to decompress. I don't know if I agree with you on that. Really? Yeah, I feel like if you're not motivated to do a, a little bit of research on on what this other method of education is, cuz and by research I mean just like do some googling. Mm-hmm. This is not out of most people's capacity. Um I don't know. I feel like that might be a, for me, that might be on the list of like who shouldn't unschool. It's like if you will not go in and research what if you will not go google what unschooling is, you probably shouldn't unschool.
1: Okay. I hear that. I totally hear that. I was just thinking of potential listeners being like, Oh, I'm not, you know, this like brilliant self-directed researcher that can go, you know, write this essay to like present to my parents about why I should unschool." But keeping in mind what you just said, I, you know, I, I certainly don't disagree with what you said.
0: Um, I think. That, <laughs> Thank you. I will take that as a <laughs> <laughs> as yeah. a compliment.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think there's a lot of people that just don't realize their autonomy, right? Like, I think there's people that are so used yeah. to being told what to do that you know, the thought- it's like
0: they're kind of in a state of shock, right? Sure. It's like uh, just any self motivated action might be might be uh, encountered with a lot of resistance for the first while until they're kind of convinced that nobody's going to jump out of the bushes and be like, ha do this math assignment.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, some people, everybody's neurochemistry is different. So some people will be super worn out at the end of a school day. And some people at the end of a school day will still have a ton of energy to, you know, go do that research. project. Yeah. But I,
0: uh... But again, like the the ones who don't have that energy, maybe they will have. Uh, well, again, chicken and the egg. Okay, right, but let's they will those. have that energy uh, after they do their after they do
1: their deschooling, whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's a tricky one. Uh, let's let's go on to another related word, which is intention. And this is something that you have in the mm-hmm. in your work working with young adult self-directed learners, and unschoolers. You've used this a lot, so I'm curious uh, what this you know, what bells this rings for you?
1: So there is a way of of doing things and of learning things that I personally really enjoy where you're kind of just like a bumblebee floating around in the garden of knowledge, going to different flowers and doing different things. You know, maybe you're in flow um, doing the things you're doing. And then there's this kind of different mode where, You're like sitting down and thinking, okay, what do I want to do today? Like what, what subjects do I want to learn? Or, you know, what do I want? What
0: what outcomes do I want to achieve? Very, very goal-directed mindset. right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, So I think both are really important. You know, I, I like on weekends, I really love to be that bumblebee, you know? Um, But then throughout the week, I think it's really important to set intentions and then, you know, look back at the end of the day to see if you did the things you set out to do. And then if you didn't, you know, why didn't you? And then, you
0: know, kind of reflect. So have have some reflection, have some feedback. Right. uh, Kind of see what worked and what didn't Mm -hmm. instead of just... buzzing around all day like a, a bumblebee.
1: Right, right. Uh, which is, you know, I think that's how a lot of children learn. Like, I think that's so Yeah, I agree. great, you know. But as, you know, as you get older, um, I think it just gets to be more important to have this greater sense of self-awareness. And yeah, and so, you know, being intentional and being self-reflective, I think just go straight into like learning self-awareness, you know, and because they are mm-hmm. self-aware.
0: And what I'm hearing from you is that there's these two different modes of self-directed learning. And and one of them is pretty natural. We're all sort of born with it. It's just like the follow your curiosities um, mm-hmm. a mode. Right. And then the other mode is the more like intentional, the more I'm going to get stuff done. I'm going to uh, kind of reflect on how well I get stuff done. It's more like being productive. Sure, and uh, yeah, and the way that we use that word <clears throat> to mean like regarding right. work or right. or regarding more formal goals, yeah, doing and, things with uh, effort. Yeah, well, I think that's a really important distinction, Liam. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, an unschooler is somebody who can can go into either one of those modes, mm-hmm. totally. Uh, because maybe maybe like a a homeschooler might be really good at just checking off boxes mm-hmm. and and being. Uh, in the in- very intentional, the very goal-focused mode, but then if they're not capable of doing that exploratory learning, the bumblebee in the garden, yeah, then yeah, you're going to be pretty fundamentally limited in your mm-hmm. life about like w- what you're aware of, you know, yeah, um, yeah. That's a good distinction. I yeah. like the- I li- and I like the bumblebee analogy too. Mm-hmm. That very pleasant. Well, then it took me into a nice garden for a moment. <laughs> well, so
1: then I think it's also important to remember that you don't have to do all the things you set out to do, all the things you intend to do, you know, if, if at the end of the day you intended to go to the library right, um, but at the end of the day you're like, oh, I didn't go to the library that's no big deal, you know and I think developing that sense for yourself is really important too um, of, you know, changing your priorities when you need to Um and then, you know, not and, changing your priorities when you also need to
0: Yeah, that's a, I mean, everyone has to deal with that challenge. Mm -hmm. Have you run into unschoolers who get too hung up on their goals and what they say they're going to do and, and kind of become slaves to that? Sure. Is that what you're commenting on? I can think of, I I don't see that as much. Yeah. The other thing. No, I don't, I I don't either. I think
1: I can only think of unschoolers kind of doing that after like institutionalizing themselves by going to college Mm -hmm. or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. um but that's you know that's what they're going in for you know many unschoolers um will go to you know college and um and have a very different experience of it because it's like a very conscious choice right to go um, like i am choosing to give myself these very
0: you know um stringent goals exactly yeah you know high yeah. standards for myself yeah Uh, And on the topic of uh, choice, (laughs) that's what I'm here for. Uh, On the topic of choice, uh, you are a lifelong unschooler. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you did not opt out of the traditional system. Your parents made this decision initially for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm curious uh, so that we're kind of departing the thought experiment here of the the kid in high school who's, who is uh, not having it. But what do you think about lifelong unschoolers who sort of never have experienced anything else uh, than that? Have you ever seen uh, kids who are brought up as unschoolers who you think are maybe squandering the opportunities that are in front of them beca- because they've never been part of school? Because right. they've, uh, yeah, yeah, save me on this one. Liam. Yeah, oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think I have, I think diversity and experience is just such an incredibly important thing. So I almost joined, I'm half Norwegian. I almost joined the Norwegian military for a year um, just because it would be so radically different from anything else I've done in my life. But just because I think that having, you know, a diverse set of experiences is so important. Um, So I do think that there are definitely lifelong unschoolers that are, you know, missing out on a point of view that their counterparts that went to school and then left school you know are privy to you know it's like it's like um if you if you think of a like a uh, I actually have, oh oh geez um i was talking to a fellow agile learning facilitator of mine recently about this where we've made this analogy of like a cool Google office, right? So everybody has this thing in their mind that an office is this like really boring, you know, rigid place. But then you go to like, oh, it's the Google office. Whoa, you can take as much time as you want to go and play ping pong. And like, you know, people are like standing around eating cake for somebody's birthday all day. Um, So everybody's (laughs) in a really good mood, but everybody's getting work done all the time. Um, right? So there, you know, you're kind of going from like this expectation, you're, you're moving from boring office to like fun, productive office, right? Um, and so you have a lot of people that are coming from, so coming from school to unschooling is I think more like going, you know, from your job at Telemericor to, you know, your job at Google or whatever. I mean, I hate to use that as an example, but. Like, you
0: just appreciate it more.
1: Right, you you yeah you so you have this you know, yeah exactly you appreciate it more you see that you're lucky to have this autonomy.
0: Um, Liam, have you ever run into any lifelong unschoolers who you kind of saw how they act and you're like you probably shouldn't be unschooling, like you are not somebody who should unschool. Have you ever run into that? I've run into
1: people that I think are like still blossoming. You know, like I I think that everybody gets there. Um, I, you know, I don't think I've ever met an unschooler that I thought wouldn't get there, but I have, you know, have met unschoolers that are like, I felt like, you know, other people had gotten there, so to speak, sooner than they had. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, sooner or later, everybody realizes their their own autonomy, even, you know, because even lifelong unschoolers need to realize their own autonomy. I mean, I remember this moment when I was 16 And it was this like really nice spring day. And I, you know, I never actually played many video games growing up, but um, my friend um, Chris Ellie, shout out to Chris Ellie, uh, would send me these like indie computer games, you know, like made by artists. And I was sitting like in my room and playing this game. And I was like, wow, it's a beautiful day out. I could be working on my bike. You know, I could be going for a hike. I could be reading a book, but I'm sitting here my futon playing this computer game i could like oh i you know i am totally in charge of of what i do you know within within my realm um and then i you know went and did something else um but you know that kind of moment um is i is really important i think when people realize that like oh i can be doing anything so why am i doing this you know
0: yeah, and you know, I think that's what a lot of lip uh, services paid to as the ultimate goal of education in general is to make a, a young person feel like, oh, I can do anything I want, mm-hmm. like to to realize their autonomy. Uh, right. I think that's a really interesting story because that that comes back to some other things that that you and I wanted to talk about, which were self awareness and self regulation and and video games, especially or computer games. It's it's a very hot button issue for a lot of parents. Because uh, it's kind of the, the number one thing that a lot of uh, you know young people want to do as soon as they stop doing school. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm just going to play computer games right. all day long. Like, that is what freedom looks like to me.
1: Right. And um, so, yeah, I'd so you, you had gonna, this
0: moment. Oh, uh, where do no, you think I was going with that?
1: I thought, I thought you were going to go into, like, privilege and access. But no, let's talk about this. You just, Sorry, keep going.
0: Yeah, so you had this moment where you... You were playing this video game, and then you looked outside, and and you sort of realized, without anyone badgering you, without any parent being like, "Shouldn't you be like? Why don't you go ride on your bike, Liam?" Mm-hmm. Um, where you kind of realized that you had more options than just the most uh, kind of attractive, easily accessible one, which is for many people is, is gaming, right? Um, and yeah, so so you seem like someone who should unschool, Liam. But do, <laughs> do you feel like oh, thanks, you man. feel like there there are people out there who never reach that? that point of, of self-awareness who, you know, people talk about so-called, you know, gaming addiction or internet addiction. And that's a whole nother discussion right there. But do you think that, that there are people who will just lose themselves in these, uh, these highly engaging things like, like video games or computer games and, and never come out of that, never have that same moment that you had?
1: No, I think everybody, you know, I think everybody gets there. Um, But I think, you know, people get there at different rates. Like, um, it might take somebody, you know, into their, you know, early 20s. If, you know, if their family's cool with them, just hanging out and playing video games, then, you know, I think,
0: I think this gets tied up with, with other expectations about when somebody becomes an adult about when somebody moves out and starts supporting themselves financially. Mm -hmm. Because you're you're right, you know. Uh, probably after a number of years, anyone is going to get you know bored of playing video games, uh, unless there are some. I'd, I I would not completely discount the possibility myself that there are some people out there. I think it's a very slim minority of mm-hmm. people, but I think there are some people out there who actually would just continue playing games and and eating food that is provided by their parents. Uh, right. No, I think a, you're. I think you're ad, right. Ad infinitum.
1: Right, and I think you're right, and like I think that's a byproduct of you know, the capitalist machine making video games that are like super habit forming. Right. And it also depends on the fam, um, like, you know, your family situation.
0: If. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first place I was going to go for the capitalist machine, which was like, there's a way that the, that parenting, you know, different styles of parenting can enable this kind of behavior uh, or not. And, what, I, I'm not a parent. Like that must be a really hard decision to be like, yeah. Do I, am I really going to strong arm my kid who's sitting in the basement playing video games and, and say like, I'm going to throw you out onto the street if you don't stop doing this. I, I don't know. That's difficult.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it absolutely is. I am also not a parent and I also can't imagine how, you know, how that decision or that conversation looks, but I'm sure. It's not an uh, easy one.
0: What about uh, just staying on this self-awareness, self-reflection thing for, for a moment. Okay. Uh, the, the capacity to notice when you are engaged and you are doing something that feels good, feels productive, feels mm-hmm. like you are, you're working towards something, you're accomplishing something versus the feeling of I'm just spinning my wheels. Right. Um, I, I feel like that is a, a prerequisite or, or something mm-hmm. you need to develop rather quickly Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to be an unschooler.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, i you know, I, I certainly hear that. Um, and what do I have to add to it? Um, <laughs> um right. There's this, there's this, I, there's this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in, in the, um, the idea of like, is learning happening, you know, learning happening all the time, like learning, you know, learning is natural and it's, you're always learning from what you're doing, but there's like learning plus effort and just like learning through entertaining yourself. Um, Mm, I guess that's not exactly what you were saying, but
0: um, well, no, that's an interesting point, which, you know, there's this line that, you know, life is learning. Mm -hmm. Just, we learn through living and in one way, that's completely, incro- you know, we cannot argue with that. You know, oh, yes, uh, yeah, 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 I, I never would. At the fundamental level, yes, You, we are always learning something because that's the, the human MO. Yeah. But on the other hand, like you said, there's there's just, it's kind of like that first style of learning. There's the Bumblebee mm-hmm. learning where you're sure. just sort of fl- flitting around and kind of seeing what's out there, and that's important. Right. But then there's the more focused kind of get stuff done. Like I, I'm aware of whether I am I'm moving towards my – my intentions towards towards my goals. Or if I'm just spinning if I'm just on Netflix all day long, like I'm aware that this is not really serving me in the long run. Right.
1: Well so that's where that like self-reflection, yeah, definitely comes back, right? So if you can, you know, if you wrap up your day with like, you know, what did I do today and how did it make me feel, if the answer to what did I do today was like, oh, I watched four seasons of, you know, this show on Netflix. And then, you know, the question is, how do I feel? You know, I'm, I am willing to guess that like watching four seasons of some show in a day doesn't make you feel great. Um, and so I do think having, you know, having that like built in, you know, explicit um, practice of checking in with yourself, um, can be huge, you know, when you're unschooling Um, and, you know, of, of, being aware, you know, when you wanna be setting intentions and pulling through on them and when you want to be, you know, in
0: bumblebee mode, you know. Transform and, and to I'm,
1: bumblebee mode. <laughs>
0: Ahoy. Uh, I'm hearing an argument here for just a, a certain level of emotional intelligence and sure. being able to say, like, I did this thing today, how did it make me feel? And being able to differentiate between I feel good and or I feel I feel bad and I feel like I'm not really doing anything with my life. And, and I have run into to teenage unschoolers who, who do have those feelings on a regular basis. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I'm really not doing anything and, and I'm not sure what to do about it. Yeah. So I, I'm not telling those kids to go back to school necessarily, but uh, yeah, there's definitely some uh, heightened self-reflection skills that right. can be gained there. Well,
1: and I think and, that's where it can be really helpful, you know, to have a sense of community. You know, it's, I think it's much mm-hmm. easier to get, caught in that kind of rut that, uh, you know, I've definitely been in myself at times of times of my life um, where, you know, I'm watching like too much Netflix and it doesn't make me feel good. And I know it doesn't make me feel good, but I'm like also not changing it, you know? And I think that's where it's helpful to have a sense of community um, to be doing different things with, uh, because it's easy to get caught into that cycle when you're just like home alone, you know?
0: Yeah. And the, what you just threw into my head there was uh, the the ability and the the willingness to reach out and mm-hmm. ask for help and yeah. to d- discuss what you're going through uh, to not be a totally kind of closed in individual a turtle in its shell mm-hmm. uh, but but I think especially for for those. Uh, who don't have a good local community to turn to, the ones who do feel a little bit more isolated, to be able to reach out either via email or phone or finding people face-to-face mm-hmm. to help answer the questions you're not able to answer for yourself, to help learn the stuff that, that Google can't teach you. Right. Um, that that feels like a, almost a prerequisite for, for who can be a successful unschooler to me.
1: Uh, right, kind of your setting. I,
0: uh, yeah, and it, this is something else that we didn't, we haven't really talked about a lot. But um, yeah, you, if your setting is one that is pretty barren and devoid of, of social contacts, of, of good community opportunities, then th- th- maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It becomes way more important. Um, the ability to reach out right. and and kind of create community and connections mm-hmm. for yourself, instead of waiting for them to come to you, which I, I think is a, something that we get habituated to in a school environment, oh, totally. which is just like yeah. this this instant community is created around us. We didn't have to do anything for it; we just plugged into it. Mm-hmm. And then, if you do twelve years of that, then you could do f- five years of college, and then all of a sudden, you're out and you're age twenty two in the adult world. And you have to, for the first time in your life, you have to create community and connections for yourself. You've had very little practice in that. Yeah. Um, so that—that's. I've seen many successful unschoolers be the ones who are like willing to reach out and and be the one who initiate contact mm-hmm. with people who might become their future friends or mentors or uh, or anything.
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. Well. <laughs> that also reminds me of my latest project.
0: Um, Ooh. Name drop.
1: Um I but it, you know, you don't have to include this. But um, I ran a pilot project last year. Wait, you're doing you're doing like the same thing soon. I did like an online unschooling community thing.
0: you want to talk about that? Ma- uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you
1: know what? I won't nice try over. though. <laughs> Okay,
0: well, I won't talk about mine either. Okay, no <laughs> okay. so cutting back in now. <laughs> here's. Oh, no, we're keeping all this. Um. Here's something else that came up on my list here, Liam, which is I wrote down the word exposure, Ooh. and uh, it made me think of the other kind of stereotypical critique of, of homeschooling, which is that homeschoolers will be sheltered, mm-hmm. and they will not know what's out there in the world. They won't know that something called – Uh, you know, physics exists. They won't know that, you know, that great swaths of world history Mm -hmm. will be completely lost on them because nobody has ever shoved it down their throats. And um, I think, you know, in many ways, that's, especially in the age of the internet, that's a really false uh, fear to, to cling on to. But, I would argue, and I want to get your take on this, that a good unschooler, somebody who should unschool, is somebody who actively seeks out, who who actively desires to know what they don't know.
1: Ooh, totally. Yeah. I, and experience things that they haven't experienced, you know, like having that diversity in experience and that diversity in, you know, in in knowledge. Yeah, being like if, if you can if you can be self-reflective to the point of you know, looking for your own holes, looking for mm-hmm. the holes in your knowledge, in your own you know know how, um, so that you can go and patch them up by you know reading some Wikipedia articles or taking a you know community college class or reaching out to somebody in their field. Um, I agree. I think that's a really great trait for an unschooler to have. Um,
0: yeah, and I, I feel like an unschooler. Most of the unschoolers who I know are are people who just have this innate desire to, to know at least a little bit about everything out there. Mm -hmm. Like they want to be Jackson Jill's of all trades. They want to be Leonardo da Vinci in in some capacity. Right. Like they're not content just being completely ignorant about some, some giant areas of life. It's like, uh, why does a tree grow? I have no idea. And I have, I have no desire to find out whatsoever. I will leave that to the tree experts.
1: Right. (laughs)
0: So what, what do we call that? Is that just like a basic curiosity? Is that a basic kind of desire to participate in the world? What what is it?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's a little of both. Um, I think yeah, having that sense of awe of the world is you know is super important. And it, it's Ooh, it's I interesting. Like well, yeah, I think it's interesting that you you know bring up that like many unschoolers want to be these um, chains and jacks of all trades, but then you also see you know many unschoolers that. Oh, excuse me who like you know that guy polymer lucky right he was an unschooler who was just like so into one thing he was into virtual reality and so oh, yeah. he invented this thing called the oculus rift and then mark Zuckerdork bought it for like you know two billion dollars like <laughs> you know and and oftentimes those are the unschoolers that are used as examples you know where people yeah, that's have a good point. the time and ability to like really delve into the one thing that they're super passionate about. Um, and I think that's really great too. You know, I think when people are that passionate about something, um, <clears throat> they, they pick up the other things that they need to know to continue pursuing that thing. You know, if somebody's yeah. like, just loves cooking, right. Then, you know, all they want to do is like be a chef somewhere, you know, but, oh, what? They also have to learn like a little bit of accounting so that they can run their, you know, their whatever supper club out of their, you know, parents' garage. Like then they'll learn that little bit of accounting because that's what stands in the way of
0: continuing down the path that they want to continue on. Um I, I agree. I, I think that the argument is stronger for like, anytime you go really deep into something, you can, you learn this process mm-hmm. of, of learning this, this meta learning skill yeah. to be able to teach yourself uh, something beyond the surface level. Cause it's, you know, if, if you're somebody who's really into cooking and you're like, I must learn how to make the perfect sous vide pork chop. Like that is my, my new life mission. You're going to have to go beyond just blog posts to do that. Tina Selig, who is from the Stanford Design School, used this great analogy that I think it's applicable here. She said, you want to be a T-shaped person. And so if you think of the uppercase T, the the main vertical line, you you want to go really deep in at least one thing. Uh, But also you want to have some breadth up there. You want to know a little bit about everything else. And so I agree with you. It's, it's not like everyone should be just a glorious generalist to steal that term from Grace Llewellyn, uh, the, a Jack or Jill of all trades. You, it, it also helps to be able to go really deep into one or two things. So I, I agree with you, Liam. Um, and uh, one other thing, and this might be the last thing that we have time to talk about is feedback. And I specifically think that th- this is another one of those, meta learning skills or, or these self awareness or maybe even it's, it's a emotional intelligence type skill, but the ability to accept feedback from, from your parents, from your peers, from people around you. And then, and eventually to actively seek out feedback and ask for it. I feel like that is like this incredibly valuable trait for anyone who's doing self directed learning because you don't have it automatically given to you as it is in school.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting um, point you brought that up earlier um when we were making a list of things to cover on the show and i think that's something that many unschoolers aren't super aware of you know feedback especially from parents is something that a lot of people you know kind of only get when it's when it's like bad feedback maybe you know
0: yes it's scary yeah
1: yeah it's like oh you you know. I, you know, I paid for you.
0: to I'm being evaluated.
1: Right. Right. Well, and it, you know, can come in these forms of judgment where it's like, you know, I paid for you to take these guitar lessons, but I never hear you practice, you know? Um, and I think that kind of feedback is, you know, that's honest and invalid. Um, you know, I wouldn't criticize a parent for saying something like that. Um, but I would definitely encourage, parents to give positive feedback to their kids. Um, And yeah, what, what you said about reaching out, you know, for feedback, I think that's a super valuable skill. Um,
0: I think that when people have these fears about self-directed learning and they think of this very isolated person, uh, you know, a super individual. Then they imagine that this person is not getting any of the benefits of feedback on their work, on their ideas. Mm-hmm. That they're just kind of existing in this little echo chamber, and um, and I, I think that's that's a valid concern. Yeah, actually, I, I think that if you are. And, and that's, you know this applies to everyone, but I think especially somebody who is trying to do something like unschooling or self-directed learning, if you uh, will never kind of expose your precious ideas to the rest of the world because you're afraid of what the rest of the world might say about it, then that's, that's uh, a handicap that's going to mm-hmm. hold you back.
1: Right. Right. And I feel like this plays also back into failure, you know, in the, in the education world these days, there's this really great, in my opinion, movement to kind of revisit the concept of failure um, and, and to, to let people know that it's okay to fail and it's actually good, you know, to try things um, and then have those things not work out. You learn so much from that. And there's of course this like whole stigma around the word fail from like the school world right we're like that means getting a bad grade which is like bad for you for the rest of your whatever school career because now you you know can't say that you got straight a's or whatever but you know setting out to like make some art project or start you know some company or something um going through the motions of doing that and then having that project fail and not work out is super valuable and really good. And, you know, I mean, that is feedback like, Oh, this worked, this didn't work. You know, that's like natural feedback in a way.
0: Well, I, I think it, it it is like any failure is going to be feedback by its very nature. But I think that there's this process of kind of digging in to the failure and and analyzing it and trying mm-hmm. to do, do the autopsy on yeah. it totally and and that is where the real learning the real you know jump in awareness comes um and i feel like that's one of these like you know adult kind of you know team skills that's really emphasized and everyone you know bemoans that the young people these days don't have these skills but mm-hmm. you know it's 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 probably true and and i agree with you that the the embracing of failure as a as a usually, you know, sometimes positive thing as a learning experience, always that that's a good trend that is happening in the world at large. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, all right. And what else, anything else, Liam?
1: Well, I think in terms of feedback, having, you know, having relationships with mentors, you know, that's something that a lot of people that write about unschooling will talk about, um, is having, you know, people that you talk to, um, that are, you know, older than you and, and have done things that you want to do. Um, I think that's a really good place to, Mm. you know, one people learn from their mentors, but they also share their own work with their mentors and then, you know, get feedback from them.
0: Um, And especially mentors when you're a young person, mentors who are not your parents. Yeah. Something Mm -hmm. because, because that the family is a sort of echo chamber also. And, and oftentimes parents are because they have this investment in maintaining a positive relationship with you because they are your parents (laughs) Live together. You know, oftentimes those are the people who cannot give you the feedback that Mm -hmm. you sometimes need the most. Sure. Like maybe, maybe you have been playing guitar all this time, Liam. And and what you really need to hear is like, Hey man, you should just give up the guitar. You should just, (laughs) just, just trash this now. Okay. (laughs) Maybe that's what you need to hear. This is completely hypothetical. Um, and that's that can be a hard thing for a, for a parent to deliver. Whereas somebody mm-hmm. who is an adult mentor who uh, has a little bit more of an objective perspective can can provide that feedback. And uh, so I agree with you that that you know reaching out and creating connections with people who can mentor you um, is is a, a good skill for an unschooler to have. Also, totally. Totally. Okay, last question for you, Liam, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Who? uh, who, (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't have a last question for you. Let's let's just wrap it up. Oh, what was Do you have a last question for me? Ooh. Yes. (laughs) Do you
1: wish that you had grown up unschooled?
0: Ooh gotten this one before and uh my my answer is no
1: my answer is
0: is no oh oh well uh, my answer is no because i think that the setting that i was in was i the setting that any person who chooses to unschool uh So the setting is really important. That's what I'm trying to say. And I had a setting where I lived in, uh, I'm thinking about Bakersfield, California, where I went to middle school and high school. And I lived in suburbs that were pretty far away from, from anything. And maybe, you know, both my parents worked. So maybe I could have rid, rode my bike somewhere, but it was really hot there at Bakersfield. And there was not a, an unschooling community at, at all. I think there was a pretty Christian homeschooling community there uh-huh. and, and maybe I could have made some friends there, but I just kind of knowing who I am now, I kind of suspect that I, I wouldn't have gone too deep into that community. Um, there was a local Cal state university. So maybe I could have gotten involved. I think I, I definitely could have benefited from, Um, maybe starting to do college classes a little bit earlier, like doing some community college or maybe some actual four-year university classes a little bit earlier. I feel like I I really desired this more serious intellectual environment and high school was just not providing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think that I would have, uh, I think there's a good chance I would have succumbed to a lot of the the challenges of being a really isolated uh, unschooler if I had made Mm -hmm. that decision. So yeah, that's why I say no. Why do why do you think I was gonna say no? I'm curious. Um
1: kind of because I think of you as being somebody that's, you know, happy and happy with themselves. And, you know, if you had grown up in school, you would be a different person, you know? Um like I'm you know, I feel like I've accepted all of the things that I've done that I you know, wish I hadn't done, but I'm glad I did because they led to who I am today, you know? Mm. Um, And, you know, and the, um, that whole stupid Google office analogy, which I can't believe I (laughs) said that, you know, like you came to, you came to self-directed learning with a different perspective, you know, and that's valuable. That's
0: true. Okay. Well, on that note, Liam, it's always a pleasure talking with you.
1: Likewise, Blake.
0: Let's do it again soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's not make it a year until uh, next time. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Bye, Blake.
0: If you enjoyed this ad free podcast, there are many ways you can support it. You can leave a review on iTunes, you can share it on social media with your friends. You can mold your, uh, your fist in a thumbs up shape into a solid block of chocolate and then mail that to me and I will eat it. Uh, You can email it to someone, not not the fist, you can't email that. Uh, You can email the episode to someone who might benefit from it. Or you can support this show directly at offtraillearning.com slash support.